0: Welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolfe. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name, What Matters. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so grateful that you are joining me for this episode. Today on the Let It Matter podcast, I am joined by Lindsay Medford, author of the recently released book, My Body and Other Crumbling Empires, to discuss chronic illness, disability, how our bodies are sites of divine love and revelation. We talk about burnout and self-care, how wholeness can lead us out of systems of communal sin and into true flourishing, and so much more. Now, Let me just introduce you to Lindsay briefly, in case you may not be familiar with her work yet. Lindsay Medford is a writer, activist, and sometimes disabled person. She lives with a rare autoimmune disorder in the American South and is the author of My Body and Other Crumbling Empires, Lessons for Healing in a World that is Sick. She writes and speaks about spirituality and justice from a disabled and feminist perspective in the tradition of the Christian mystics. She holds a Master of Theological Studies degree from Boston University School of of Theology. She and her husband live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Really quickly, I also wanted to remind you that the Let It Matter podcast has launched and is uh, up and running in our Patreon partner community. For as little as four dollars a month, U.S. with no commitment, length of time, Um, you get access to bonus episodes, uncut interviews. Um, a spiritual formation teaching series which are other bonus episodes. Um, And then a monthly private Zoom call with all partners and myself uh, where we discuss the topics from recent episodes and other topics as well. Um, And we are building quite a beautiful community there. It just grows more and more precious every week or every time we meet. And so we would love to have you head over to patreon.com forward slash letitmatterpod for more details or to sign up and partner with us. Now, let's get into the show. Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me on the Let It Matter podcast today. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. It is exciting. I have to tell you, I have had your book sitting out sort of on my coffee table and kitchen table and stuff for a while. And this is one of the most beautiful covers of a book I've ever seen. (laughs) And so I like, it's just like table art that I keep leaving it out and about. It's so beautiful. I don't want to put it it on the shelf. So It's great for that. Yeah. It's lovely. Um, so at this point in the episode, I will have given your bio and, um, but I'd love if you could start us out by just telling us about your experience with chronic illness and disability, um, sure. sort of situate yourself in the context and, um, and tell us a little bit of your story there.
1: Yeah, I, um, when I was first diagnosed with, a rare autoimmune vasculitis called Bichette syndrome when I was a pretty young child um, and sort of coped and somewhere in my teenage years went into remission. And uh, as I was writing this book, I realized a lot of ways that that experience had shaped me as a child. But then um, by the time I left college and went to school, grad school and did other things. I had really almost forgotten about it. I I remember I was dating my husband now for a while before I was like, oh, by the way, this really bad thing could happen to me at any time. Oh, <laughs> um, <Surprise>. yeah. <laughs> Uh, which it did, like a couple of months after we got married. Mm. So that's cool for him.
0: Oh, <laughs> um, I'm so sorry.
1: So I was 26. I had been out of grad school, mm-hmm. and we moved to from Boston to South Carolina. Um, totally new town. Uh, left. I had a job, but it was all remote. We didn't know anybody in town. Had just gotten married and my, like, knee stopped working. (laughs) My mouth Mm. got full of ulcers and, um, I pretty quickly realized what this was and went to the doctor and assumed, like, kind of in the same way I did as a child that, like, someone was gonna fix this for me, Mm. um, Mm. And as a kid, I think it was more that my symptoms were just fairly mild and maybe I could cope with them more than, Mm. like, I was receiving a lot of really effective help in retrospect. So anyway, I have – now it's been seven years since then, um, and Mm. I – went through this whole long process of learning to live with a disease um, that for a while really felt like an enemy. And then Mm -hmm. I had to kind of accept was a part of my story and even perhaps a part of my body and something that, even if I'm not friends with it, like we're Mm -hmm. roommates probably forever. Yeah
0: and um that was a really big i think there is a lot of language around like befriend these things and that's like that can be a really heavy burden to put on someone but (laughs) you know radical acceptance making peace with the fact that it's there and it's a a companion of sorts (laughs) um i appreciate you saying that and making that distinction
1: Sure, I mean, I think that's a lovely goal if it feels right for you. <laughs> sure, um, there, and you can have really complicated friendships, I suppose, that change <laughs> and true. don't always feel really, yeah, like fuzzy. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I want to sort of dive into like some of the things you write about in the book. I loved this, that you, you write that bodies are sites of divine revelation. Mm-hmm. I loved that language. Um, I'd love to hear how you've heard from God or what divine revelation your body has given you either about God or about yourself. That feels like it sort of has the breath of the spirit on it. Um, and, and Uh, sort of what implications does that have for the larger maybe somebody listening to this that doesn't have chronic illness or a disability yet or currently (laughs) Um, and or you know being in this sort of wake and still in a lot of ways within the COVID um, Mm -hmm. world you know these things maybe may become possible so I'd love to have you share not just your personal but what you think the broader implications of that are
1: yeah I think when i when I was first learning about incarnation and um creation and what how rethinking reimagining the material world within a bigger context of Christian theology than the evangelicalism I had grown up with sure. um in college and that and in that at that same time when I think about learning to relate to my body sort of at all. (laughs) I think about uh, learning also to be with my emotions that I had was really, really intent on just shutting down for Mm. my life, most of my life before then. And so that's, I've really loved learning about the research that has taken place and is ongoing about how emotions begin in the body and then we try to interpret them and then we try to react to them. And then we, mm. um, you know, that can be a cycle or process that we can really radically change if we are willing to step into it when we've learned when we, we have an automatic process, right? We have an mm. automatic uh, reaction to different feelings But when we can actually be with them and start to notice what's going on, um, particularly within our bodies, Mm -hmm. we can uh, start to shift what those sensations mean to us and how we relate to them. And we can start to ask them questions. Mm. And we can say, where is this coming from? What is this telling me I need? What is this telling me? I, um, what like unmet needs or, or desires? What, if it's a good feeling, what Mm -hmm. is this telling me that is good for me and, um, bringing me joy and bringing me, uh, wholeness? And so that's one big place. I like that you said the breath of the spirit. I always, um, When I don't really, when I don't know what I think about God or where God is, you know, Mm. in the universe Mm -hmm. or in my situation, (laughs) Um. I often think of, I just really believe that the spirit is in our breath somehow, like Mm. choosing to be present with us. Um, If we believe that, if, I mean, I, I have, some affinity still for this evangelical language that um, God is with us and in us in, Mm. in some way that is real. (laughs) And to me, breath is a representation of that. And so if I can sit and breathe and let the moment be what it is and and trust that God is with me, in that very intimate way um, yeah. that has really yielded a great deal of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: of joy and peace and various um, – it, it also creates that moment, right, where you can take a step and be like, okay, this feels this way in my body mm-hmm. right this second, um, but I'm also being held. I'm also – um Mm -hmm. able if only for half a second to just be here in this breath and Mm -hmm. does that open up space to respond differently to understand what's going on here differently to understand what this whole thing whatever is happening means about me differently um
0: I love that yeah. you said that about um about the language choices. I get a little bit of an eye twitch about some about most evangelical language or christianese, but sure. I also was a really like I'm a charismatic. And so yeah. that kind of language, you know, <laughs> with a seatbelt on and without abusing it and things like that, but for my own self, without it forcing it on other people, I'm still a charismatic. I still pray in tongues. You guys, sorry that you've been listening to this for five months and you're just fighting this out. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I, um, but when I was looking for alternate language, um, like in the you know in the prayer books and the liturgies and stuff, it's such male-heavy language. The Father, the Son, and sure. the Holy Spirit. He, 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 he. Him, him, him. So I I have a book called the Book of Uncommon Prayer Mm -hmm. and the Gloria they have given alternate language to, which the Gloria being glory to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Say that all the time in the Episcopal Church. The way they wrote it is glory to the one who brings all to birth, to love's embodiment and to the sacred breath, Mm -hmm. primal, present and eternal and i wow. love that language it just made me think of that when you said that about like the about the breath the spirit like that it can be it can be your first choice of language and it can also be the alternate language that pulls you back to it's still god giving us those words i think saying it's okay it's okay for where you come at it you know what I mean? Where you get it yeah. from, um, but you'll get here all the same. Um, so yeah. anyway, I just appreciated you, you sharing that. And I, would you give us a little bit of an example? Um, so you kind of explained it sort of uh, broadly. Would you sort of like put flesh and bone on it? So like, where's an example in your life where is something you have, you have had a cue or a message or a sensation or an emotion or something within your body and sort of received that as a, 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 an invitation from God in some way.
1: Yeah. Well, I did want to mention there's, that's like a micro piece. And then there's also a macro piece of like, mm-hmm. in also from that experience, I started to ask my body on this bigger scale of chronic illness, like, what if, what if these symptoms are actually telling me something needs to change? And not mm. just that, like, I, my body is broken and bad. I'm wrong, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that maybe there's a, there's more to that story. Uh, being, mm. And that story might be being told by my body. And so that was more of an ongoing process of listening mm. and learning. But I love um, as far as the, I guess I'll just go, go there with a really, really intense example of this prayer, <laughs> prayer piece. It was a, this was a couple of years ago too, um, that I was in this place. Uh, it involved internet shaming. <laughs> um, it involved mm-hmm. my like core core beliefs about myself in an enneagram sort of way, and mm. um, I was really thrown into just like utter turmoil um, by this online shaming experience for Mm. like a good, I mean, it, it really kind of halted my life for a couple of months and it was really Mm. super intense for a couple of weeks. And, but I, it was really painful, obviously. Uh, and it, I really am grateful for that experience and I'm grateful that I, but only, probably only because I had these tools to move through it at that time yeah. where I could say there was a lot of like sitting in cross-legged by my back door to look out at the trees and being totally still and saying, God, I feel so ashamed and I don't know if I can ever move forward from this in the way that I ever expected to my life to be. (laughs) And hearing God say, you can be ashamed. It's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, we can be here and be in this. Um, We don't have to, you know, my mind was racing to figure out if my, my, life and myself were justifiable and mm-hmm. if i had do- if i had really done these horrible things or not and it was actually by be just being with that breath and being like this is the situation
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and god is here god's not trying to like change it or fix it right this yeah. second yeah. um that I was able to, I really experienced the grace of God in that as well. That like, maybe you are a horrible person and <laughs> we're still, we're still here and it's I still love you. <laughs> mm. um, and then uh, the, kind of the, the other side of that was also in all of this, like um, alternate fear and anger and sadness. I just walked, I walked miles and miles and miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was again letting my body have it's what it needed to move all of this through. Yeah um, and I connecting with God in a different way. Um, yeah and, but also again, being these were both being outside was really crucial as well. Oh.
0: I th- I mean, if you think about even just the word, you know, the word used in the Greek for the spirit, it's breath and wind. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's like a nature, a, a macro level, and then there's a micro and internal level to it. Um, I love that. That's really sweet. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so, so sorry that that happened, but I appreciate you sharing that. Um, just, I just keep picturing like a listener saying like, man, I'm there right now, or I've just been there and I feel like I'm climbing out still or, or something. So that's, um, I feel like that's a hopeful thing to say, like, you can just be your whole self in front of God and with God and present to God. God is just as present to you and not clutching pearls or freaking out and everything's okay. And you're still so beloved. (laughs) Um, I love that. Can you, I want to also talk about, you mentioned, um, having that, like question, asking bigger questions like, you know, does something just need to change rather than is something broken or wrong or, um, uh, or sick. I'd love if we can to talk about burnout, Mm -hmm. um, burnout, self-care, these things are like Kind of buzzwordy, especially like Instagram graphics and yeah. stuff like that. But they do really mean something, um, and I really, I really am a firm believer in like. I mean, I'm going to hold on to the true meaning of something with bloodied knuckles if I have to. So, yeah, um, I would love if you could talk about burnout um, and what we can learn from ourselves in that space, um, and how we can uh, meet it. If that's, if that's where we're at or if we get there someday, um, what what tools are in your tool belt for burnout, for self-care, for things like that?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if this is I, – I, I think like half the people find this encouraging and half the people don't <laughs> I because a lot of where this book even came from was that I had been trained in – seminary to look at the context of things and ask deeper mm-hmm. questions and ask, where did this come from and attend to power and attend to what what lies beneath what is what is a little bit hidden about the structure of our days and our lives and our institutions. Mm-hmm. And so when I started to realize that what I was experiencing, was physical burnout. Um, I also immediately turned to this question as well of like, what what is it about the shape of my life and my days? What is it about the beliefs I've been handed? What is it about um, the structures from which I'm supposed to supposedly profit and which other people profit from that have brought me to this place of, totally unintentionally using myself up and mm-hmm. feeling thrown away yeah <laughs> and um, so I think what's comforting about that is that so much so much of the language about burnout is like you gotta stop doing this to yourself or uh, you gotta add these five things to your to-do list yeah. <laughs> And then there'll be self-care and they'll, then you'll be able to Um, help. So it's helpful in that way. And then it's unhelpful in the way of like, some of these things are going to be outside of our control and that's, that's life. And we all have to learn to live with a lot of systems and structures that are that way. Um, So I wouldn't, I don't know that I am like, I didn't want to write a book about self-care because I didn't have anything new to say, you know, even, Hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, take your pills, go outside in the (laughs) sun, go to bed, your water, (laughs) sleep, I will say these are acts of care and of maintenance that, Mm. um, those are categories of things we don't count in, like capitalism, in the lion and the patriarchal sort of lionizing of pioneers,
0: uh-huh.
1: and in terms of even in terms of what we literally will pay for um, yeah. care and maintenance, don't don't land high on that list, and that's there's kind of a cycle between. We don't pay for them because women and people of color traditionally do them, and then also, <laughs> um, women and people of color traditionally do them, and we don't don't pay for them. And, yeah. um, however, what we will sometimes preach when it's like advantageous <laughs> for some reason, we uh-huh. will preach that these are like deeply necessary; like these are totally crucial elements of making anything run. And we um, we believe that on some level, and then we don't practice it in our lives. So whether it comes to mm-hmm. caring for and maintaining our bodies, or our families, or who, who makes the coffee and orders cake for Chad's birthday at your office, mm-hmm. we don't actually fully recognize how deeply these things
0: are sustaining us Um, until they are gone. Um, An analogy that I find for some reason has come up a thousand times lately is it's like rather than taking care of it when it's a light switch that doesn't work, we wait till the house is on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's really valuable. And then we're like, oh, this should be a priority. We should have been doing this all along.
1: Then we Mm -hmm. get well and
0: then we go back into burnout.
1: I find it really fascinating, too, that we um, like on a political level or a business buzzword level, we love to talk about sustainability now, but we aren't really we're kind of fuzzy on the details and the elements of what how that actually happens. And I and mm-hmm. I hear sustainability over and over and over. And I hear care and I hear maintenance so much less. And it's really fascinating to me
0: Yeah,
1: how we even imagine sustainability without those things.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I want to shift gears just a little bit. You write in the introduction of the book about this sort of dance of interdependence within like individual and societal systems about communal sin and separation and wholeness, integrity. There's this whole section about that that blew me away. I just loved the way you sort of broke it down. Um, <laughs> first, can you talk about what wholeness means to you and wh- how you write about it in the book? Um, and then I'd love if you could add how it's the opposite of concepts like communal sin and separation.
1: Yeah, and this is a great follow up to self care. Like I still, if hears self care, and I think, okay, how do I, how do I pour more into myself that ends at the mm-hmm. at the edges of my skin, right? And yeah. part of the one piece of that puzzle is like actually building sustainable community being able to ask for help Mm -hmm. setting up our lives however drastically they may need to change so that we can access interdependence Mm -hmm. um you know particularly as a sick person but all of us need other people and so and i think that is um for when i say wholeness that is what i mean like we none of us there's no such thing as being whole and being isolated at the same time in mm. the um in the Bible or in the Christian imagination. Or I really I really pr- believe in the the structure of the universe. <laughs> but um wh- so wholeness is not just found in one thing being, you know, self-contained. Wholeness, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the Hebrew, imagination and language exists in the relationships between things. And mm-hmm. we, we exist in our relationships with other people to yeah. a really large extent. Um, I can think of so many times when I've been around old friends that I hadn't seen in a while and been like, wow, I feel like myself in a different way yes. than I have for a really long time, because it's almost yeah. like those people have parts of me that I need them to yeah. give back. <laughs> um, That's good. And so, wholeness is being integrated within our communities, um, and that we also have, see that on the on a very physical level, where um, our health depends on the health of the people and the land, the environment around us. Yeah. Um, so.
0: I'm trying to find this section right quick um, because I want to, if I can, if you will indulge me. um, I'm not going to read like two pages, but I do want to find this little section. Okay. um, In the introduction on page 14 of the hard copy book, um, at the bottom of the page, you say, Lisa Sharon Harper describes God's dream for the world, this state of justice and peace among quote, a web of relationships that overflowed with forceful goodness, end quote, and names it as shalom, the Hebrew word for peace. I refer to it using one translation of shalom, wholeness. In doing so, I deeply do not wish to imply that if we are not physically, quote, whole, or feel emotionally or spiritually, quote, broken, we cannot live out God's dream for us. Instead, I want to point out an an opposite reality. Despite what individualism, consumerism, and capitalism tell us, we are interdependent down to our very being, and we only experience true wholeness when we experience relationships that are radically for the flourishing of others. By reminding us of this truth and drawing us into interrelationship, our weaknesses, losses, and lack can actually lead us to greater wholeness than that of the person who seems to have it all together, but does so alone. Wholeness is like integrity. A shorthand definition for integrity might be truth telling or honor, but the word itself paints a more vivid picture of a well integrated person whose life is accountable to their views and supported by a deep internal consistency. You go on to talk about like integrity, not just at a personal level, but at a more communal level and how that addresses Mm -hmm. our communal sins against one another. And sin is, sin is one of those words that I have like a little bit of an eye twitch about, sure. Not that I think it doesn't exist. Not that I think it's, um, not real or anything, but it's just, I just, am um, I'm still detoxing <clears throat> from the overload. Yeah. Uh, let's see that I left four years ago. Um, but I loved the way you talked about communal sin because that I, I have a box for that. I see it. I see it in my own life and mm-hmm. the ways that I participate in it, unfortunately, the ways that, um, you know, I see on the news every day. Can you yeah. just sort of on that on that marriage of wholeness, integrity, shalom, talk about how that specifically addresses separation and communal sin? Well,
1: when we when we talk about these things – like burnout that like we both participate in and they're not our fault and we have some agency in them and we cannot control them ultimately um I think this is a really helpful frame for moving through
0: that um in in integrity and in relationship and I guess Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but really quick, we should probably say what we, what you mean by communal sin. The way that I kept yeah. thinking about it was like all these unintended consequences of our actions. Like we buy coffee at the store, but that coffee is, um, you know, there's, there's exploited child labor or migrant labor somewhere else that's from the company and people aren't getting paid enough. It made me think of the good place. I don't know. Did you watch that show? Remember yeah, that it did. <laughs> hmm and how like no one at the end could get into the good place because of all the unintended consequences environmentally, um, ca- within capitalism, within uh, personal relationships, just all these sort of butterfly effects of our one decisions and how we, you can't just cease to live. And also that leaves us in a place of um, uh, communal sin sometimes. Yes. <laughs> no, exactly. Um <laughs>
1: Exactly. We, we don't, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't even, sometimes it's someone's fault, but it doesn't have to be anyone's fault. And the, and these are um, where I was introduced to this idea was from a class about Leviticus. So that's really thrilling (laughs) Um, Mm. there. We in Leviticus, the priests are, there's all kinds of, there's several kinds of sin offerings and one of them is for communal sin and mm. unintentional sin, and um, there it's saying, you know, we do things. We do things. Particularly, we do things as a collective, and we're all trying our best, and we miss the mark, right? And mm-hmm. we um, we fail to actually. We fail to actually act in in integrity with what is really true about the world and we are limited and our perceptions are limited and the you know it is on a on a collective level it is undeniably our fault you know climate change is our fault it's our fault it's not my fault right um but right. collectively we that doesn't we are able to take responsibility for that if we step outside of an individualism mm-hmm. that we're used to and so that idea of communal sin has just has been really helpful for like i said for moving through these both and situations and where. I think in a lot of like justicey spaces, there's so much uh, pressure to take responsibility for things. It's really hard to be clear about where that responsibility begins and ends, or um. or where where what the responsibility really is. Because sometimes it's like it seems clear what the solution is, but there's actually like a much deeper call. If we're trying to pursue real wholeness, mm. to be to be different in, again, in our relating with things in, on a much deeper level than mm. like, you know, putting your aluminum cans in the recycling, <laughs> or <Right. laughs> or do, like doing these. Same political actions over and over and over that feel really futile. Maybe they're Mm -hmm. they to some extent they are futile because the system is messed up, and then how we have to look deeper at how we're relating to that system and how we're participating in it in a way that might Mm -hmm. nudge it towards a better
0: place. That's so good. Um, I have always been so taken with shalom it feels Mm -hmm. like i don't want to substitute it with an english word it feels like it's bigger than the english words we have it's not quite just peace it's not quite just uh i think wholeness is probably the closest i've heard as a as a um an english translation of the word um but I love what you said that Shalom sort of exists and wholeness sort of exists within relationship that, you know, when we are introduced to the concept of Shalom in Genesis one and two, it is God in relationship to God's self. <laughs> God yeah. and, and uh, all three persons of the Trinity creating in this sort of divine dance and speaking and creating, gathering and separating and naming it good. Uh, and then, creating humankind and existing in relationship, not just God to man, but then creating another person for mankind to exist uh, in relationship that I really don't believe Genesis two is about marriage. I believe it's about community. Um, and that, that not good, uh, it's not good for us to be alone, but it doesn't mean we have to be married. It means we shouldn't be alone. (laughs) Um, And that God saw fit within the definition of shalom to say, and so you won't be because otherwise this doesn't, this isn't shalom. Um, And I loved the way that like just thinking through that and how you were talking about the, um, the sort of interdependent, like how we are all interdependent on one another and uh, in order to affect change, in order to Mm -hmm. um, even to sort of get outside of our mental spaces of individualism and capitalism and performance and patriarchy and empire and (laughs) all of those things. Um, and so I really appreciated that. All right. So my, uh, the last question in this, in this conversation, and then I have a question I'll ask sort of every guest, um, in writing about Jesus, what would you say are Jesus's, um, what makes Jesus's way of doing justice different than um, the culture that surrounded him at the time, than our mainstream culture, um, that, that actually affects change, that it's actual justice and not performative or not, uh, uh, you know, covering over the wounds of my people lightly saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Um, yeah. What? how, can you talk about that a little bit? You
1: know, when we, when we, when I talk about feeling this sense of responsibility, but then it's also really sort of amorphous. I think a lot of times it's like I have to go out and find the lever that's going to shift or change this very specific thing, right? And yeah. we,
0: it's a I just lot wanna say, harder. My response is different. My response is it's too big, so I can't do any of it, so I shut down yeah for and sure I think those are like those are two pretty common ways to go with it. It's either to take it all on your shoulders or to just say, I can't do anything because I can't do everything.
1: Yes, and what is what is harder but also like far more hopeful is to first pay really close careful attention to how we ourselves are participating in that system. Um, mm. I think that Jesus did that. And I think Jesus also paid really close and careful attention to each person around him and to the workings of the things around him mm. in in a way that is really, it's intense, it's hard, it requires, a- I think Jesus was in constant prayer and constant reliance on God in part because he was paying Mm -hmm. so much attention. He was experiencing so much of that interrelationship that Mm. we often feel the need to protect ourselves from. And so I think if Jesus were preaching today, I really think there would be a lot of people questioning well, why haven't you gone to Washington to talk to your senator about this?
0: Mm, or mm-hmm.
1: you know, why? How can? How dare you tell anyone else that they can't respond with violence to mm. this like horrible oppression? And yeah. um, I think it's because Jesus was actually doing what is. I think ultimately his way is far more effective and mm. it's so hard to measure and it's so hard to see in the short term, yeah. whether it's quote unquote working or not to, um, to pay attention, <clears throat> to listen, to um, move with respect. And rather than trying to impose our own um, priorities and Mm -hmm. beliefs and solutions onto things outside of ourselves.
0: Um, I love that you just said that I, as you were talking, it made me think of a story in Mark chapter one that I, Mm -hmm. I felt like maybe it was sort of Holy spirit insight one time when I was reading it, but Jesus cleanses a leper. I'm just going to read a few verses. Um, Mark chapter one, verse 40. I'm going to read from NIV. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was filled with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And then, of course, the guy instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. <laughs> um, but I, I've i always sort of wondered, why was Jesus doing that? And you have to it just a realization I got was, you know, a leper was already othered, already outside, already ostracized, already the, the, um, the weird guy or the not accepted guy (laughs) or the guy people shrink away from. And I think if, if Jesus had said like, go, go tell everyone that I just did this. Yeah. You're cleansed. But you're still the you're still on the outside. You're still the weird guy. You're just weird in a new way. Or you're still the <laughs> um, you're still the uh, the guy that people are going to shrink away from because they don't trust this. They don't know because it didn't go about it in the way that they expected. And I know Jesus doesn't do everything according to our expectations. But but that that little bit where it wasn't just the healing, it was the restoration to community, and then even that Jesus reached out and touched him. There was like this threefold restoration to not just himself, his wellness of his body, but to community and to, to receiving touch and community from someone. Um, and so that just made me think of that when you were talking about Jesus sort of doing it the right way, like going about it in ways that we may not see uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. The guy clearly didn't because he went and did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Bless. Um but well, and, that's a beautiful and that example. may not be a great interpretation of it, but that just, you know, it had it, it is true whether it's what why he said it or not. It is also true that that would have been yeah. the case as we saw with the guy who was cleansed in, in the book of John, who they kick him out of the temple. It's the same right thing.
1: exactly yes. Well, if we start <laughs> if we are thinking of of unintended consequences as belonging to this sin thing, that you know, sin being at once, extremely serious and God is more powerful and God forgives and God overcomes. um, When we look at Jesus doing, taking a gentler path and taking a listening path, that is how we start moving away from these, constantly being overwhelmed by the unintended consequences of our actions. Mm. Um, Because, we're not trying to yank things in the direction that we believe is best by the most powerful tool or lever available Mm. to us. Uh, We are trusting that there is goodness inside something or a situation or a system that Mm. will unfold if we listen carefully to it and tend to what it needs to continue to grow.
0: Mm. And to do so in conjunction with a whole community of other people who are also yeah. doing that, <laughs> yes, um, which is complicated. That, <laughs> which is complicated, and and you know, I, I don't think any of this is supposed to be easy. But, um, but it takes that that off your shoulders at least that you're supposed to be the one sitting still or listening or taking it slow or um, yeah. going about a different path. When you know, that's I would say that's the call on all of us. The last question I want to ask you here is something I'm sort of starting to ask all of my guests. And it's you can answer it as seriously or as silly, a short or long. What is mattering most to you right now? Oh, wow.
1: Um, I <laughs> There is only one obvious answer. I am six months pregnant. And so I awesome. am re- reorienting everything in my life around that. And um, it's really, oh. really beautiful. We, we tried for three years and now they are here. I knew that was part of your story. So
0: I'm thrilled to hear <laughs> that for you. Yes. Uh, thank and you. Yeah. That's a great answer.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, we could talk for the whole entire day about that, but I'll just, mm-hmm. I'll just
0: say that. <laughs> Okay, that was my conversation with the delightful Lindsay Medford. My thanks again to Lindsay for joining me today on the show. You can find her on Twitter and on Instagram at Lindsay Medford. That's L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y-M-E-D-F-O-R-D or on her website at lindsaymedford.com. I will link to these in the show notes as well. Before we go, if you... Could If this podcast has been a blessing or a resource in your life, would you consider taking just a moment to pause this episode and do as many of these things as possible? First, make sure you are subscribed to or following the show wherever you get your podcasts. That will make sure you don't ever miss an episode. If you are listening in Apple, if you would leave a rating and a review for the show, but only if you like it. Make sure you're also following the show on Instagram at Let It Matter Podcast and on Twitter at Let It Matter Pod. All of these things are uh, so important for algorithms and analytics and growth um, and at some point the ability to book guests and things like that. So uh, your support means the world. Again, don't forget if you want to discuss this topic or any other episode topic in greater depth in a community of wonderful women, so far women, men are welcome to join us, but so far women, um, head over to patreon.com forward slash let it matter pod. Um, look through all of the perks, the partner perks you get when you join that community. Um, and we hope to see you there. Join me next week as we continue to make space for honor and name what matters. And now, according to our little tradition as we close out, I offer you this benediction. It comes from K.J. Ramsey's Book of Common Courage on page 158. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you made the world in a whirl of wind, and by your word emptiness became extravagance. Hover again over the blank spaces between our breaths, Where the pain of being a person punches our chests. That we might sense this void is blessed. That we might welcome the wind is still where you make all things new. Amen.